We're so glad you're, you're here this morning, and um, um, God is so glad you're here too, because, you know, every time we uh, set a time to meet God, he always uh, shows up before us, actually. <laughs> but he's never late for an appointment. He's never late for a meeting. But he's always, he's always on time. And uh, uh, we have a couple of uh, 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 new individuals that just uh, 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 joined us this morning. And uh, for the first time in the history of the world, I'd like to present to you Mr. and Mrs. Noko. <laughs> yes! I had to make a big deal now. Hey, hey. <laughs> for the first time in the history of the world now. Come on, they're making history up in here. <laughs> Bless the name of the Lord. We, we root for marriages. We, we, we are cheerleaders for marriages. Um, so um, these two aren't the same. I'm, I already know they're not the same because a change does take place. A change does take place. So um, um, we trust that you enjoyed yourselves and that you're refreshed. I mean, you look refreshed, you know. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> new, new things are on the horizon. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Yes. Look at somebody and, and um, uh, uh, tell them you look good. <laughs> tell them you look good. <laughs> tell them you look good. Now, now answer them back and say, you're only saying it because it's true. <laughs> answer them back now. You're only saying it because it's true. <laughs> you're only saying it because it's true. See, my dad used to say that. <laughs> you're only saying it because it's true. <laughs> receive it. <laughs> receive the compliment. Oh, you, you, you only saying it because it's true. <laughs> you, you only saying it because it's true. Listen, and, and I got to acknowledge one that looked good this morning because I told her, girl, you look good. I said, lady, you look good. And then she says, you only saying it because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Because when others give me compliments on you, oh, you showing up looking good. Hey, hey, you showing up looking good. But, um, <laughs> but we've been teaching on dominion and, and, and uh, uh, dominion, power, and authority. And we've been camping out in the realm of uh, dominion and dealing with our identity um, and uh, addressing that uh, because it is so key to an individual actually taking dominion. Um, actually um, exercising authority. And um, if, if we were to give a title of this particular message this morning, we would title it, The Strength of Togetherness. You could say dominion and probably put it in parentheses, The Strength of Togetherness. And let me make mention of this. Apostle and prophet are actually um, praying with someone, um, um, an individual who, who, who has cancer. So, like, this morning they said, hey, we're going to go and uh, see about a, a, um, a young lady who, who has cancer. So, they're literally on assignment right now. And, and um, um, uh, that's the kind of thing that really burns and 
the heart of apostle where um like he just doesn't care he's going to go forward and you know as a result he gets those kind of calls and you know those kind of situations show up and he's responding to it so God's going to keep you know kind of sending those kind of situations his way but they're both together um so God we thank you right now for for um uh, what you're doing uh, where they are God that your word knows no bounds God we thank you for a good report God we thank you that that some are watering some are planting but God you give the increase we thank you for their obedience and God we thank you that your grace God, is abounding towards them. And God, we, we send your word uh, to uh, this young lady right now and uh, to, to touch her life in Jesus' name, even touch her mind, God. God, we thank you that, that her, her spirit is strengthened and her spirit is stirred. For your word says uh, the, the spirit of a man or woman will sustain him or her, even in sickness. God, we thank you for doing a, a total work of wholeness in her life as a result of this encounter with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe you for total healing. The strength of togetherness. We want you to leave here uh, this morning with a strong desire to work your land. A strong desire to work your land. To uh, mind your business. So the body is supplied. So the body doesn't lack. So that others who are depending upon you, that when they have need, you have to give. We want you to be stirred, have a strong desire, an unction that's from him. Nobody coaxing, if that's the word you, or stirring you up, but you're being stirred in your inner man according to the power that works on the inside of you. Because each and every one of us, we have power that's working on the inside of us. If we've received him as Lord and Savior, he's there. The greater one is there. The greater one is there. But in the context of dominion, we want you today to really be stirred, to really be stirred to action, to really be stirred, because it's, it's he that works in you both the will to do of his good pleasure. So it's still him giving you the, the desire, but we want you to be open to simply exercise what God has commissioned and blessed us to exercise. Let's, let's uh, uh, turn to Romans 12, and we'll look at verse 4. In five, Romans 12, we'll look at verse four and five. I'm going to read it from the King, the, the, the New King James. For as we have many members in one body... But all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I'm going to read it one more time. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So this scripture is in a context talking about the body of Christ but how many know that, that um, whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, you're still connected to that individual? How many know that? Why? Because we came from God. So uh, um, uh, there is a connection to a person in some kind of way, shape, or form. Whether you're, you're actually even influencing people that you've never met before right now. 
by your very presence on this earth. We're connected, especially in the body of Christ, but also in the context of the entire world, which is why Christ died for the world and not for Christians. Which means there's, 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 there's value in every single person. We are members of one body. We are related <laughs> um, in some way, shape, or form. We have a commonality in a creator who has created us all. So that alone connects each and every one of us, which means if I uh, tear down somebody that I don't know, they don't know me, it's like I'm tearing down myself. See, Christ said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me, which means we treat every person, every individual, as if that individual is a part of our own body, and that if that individual were to be cut off, I'm lacking something. That's that kind of value that God places on every single person. Regardless of how you got here, God wanted you here. Regardless of how you got here, it is he who designed you and formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. We must understand that. We must really, really understand that, that we are members of one body, which means whatever I do, my peace is influencing the whole. It's influencing the whole. And, I, you know, you, you have to maintain those, two, maintain those two perspectives in terms of what I do is not just affecting my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not just affecting my family. It's affecting other people in my neighborhood, other people on my job. It's affecting them in some way, a shape or form. So, the, 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 the whole togetherness aspect, because we gave you the title, uh, that's been stirring, stirring in me in the context of dominion, simply because um, in every team or, or organization, the strength of that organization is found in the strength of its individual parts. The identity of an organization or team is found in the identity of its individual parts. Let's say you have a team of three people, but those three people don't know who they are. So now you have a team that doesn't know who they are. Where you have an individual that is not sure of the mission or the reason why the team exists. Or let's say all three aren't sure why that team exists. As a result, the whole team doesn't know why it exists. But the, 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 the necessity of togetherness, it's more than a necessity. It's, it's literally a requirement. Why? Because if you could, if you had all the answers and you could create whatever you wanted to, you had all the knowledge, you, if you had everything, you wouldn't need me. If you had all the knowledge, the, the access and whatever, you needed in order to manifest what's in your head, you wouldn't need me. But God saw to it that I'm going to give you something, and I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something, I'm going to give you something. And you're not going to know it all. I'm going to give you tomatoes, and I'm going to give you oranges. There's going to come a time where you're going to need some oranges. And you're going to be like, God, give me oranges. He said, I did. 
but you got to go talk to so-and-so. But you got to go fellowship with so-and-so, engage with so-and-so to get what you need. And as a result, it accomplishes one thing. It keeps you humble. Because if I got everything, I don't need God. If I got everything, I don't need you. But the simple fact that, that, that I have something that you need and you have something that I need means we are what we call mutually dependent. Not that you're my source, but the way God set it up is he wants us to be together fulfilling the will of God and plan, uh, the plan of God for our lives. It's always been said, nobody succeeds alone. Nobody accomplishes anything alone. Nobody. Nobody. But you say, what does this have to do with, with dominion? Well, we'll get there. There's a problem that we all come up against. There's a problem. And this problem is, and I'm going to say it like this. We wrestle against our individual value and contribution because we compare ourselves by ourselves all the time. I'm going to say it again because this, this is a problem, but there's always an answer and a solution to a problem. We wrestle against our individual value and the contribution that we have to give because we compare ourselves by ourselves all the time. And nowadays, it is so very very easy to compare ourselves by ourselves because you have visibility into so many different aspects and areas of a person's life. You can get bit or caught um, looking, gazing, imagining if your life looked like so-and-so's, imagining if you had the money that so-and-so had, imagining if you had the degrees or the access or the connections or the followers that so-and-so had. And what and what happens is, well, well, we'll tell you kind of the, the results of that thing, but just jot this scripture down as a reference, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. Paul said, when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding and they behave unwisely. When you compare yourself amongst yourself, you'll you're without understanding and behave unwisely. God wants us to be about our own individual work. See, this is why, why dominion is necessary, because he told every individual, he said, you be fruitful. You multiply. Well, but God, they, God, they got it going on over there, or they're doing such and such. Well, God, why, you know, they look like they, you know, they can handle it. But he said, no, 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 you. Backing up to the value he places on an individual, because you are here, there's literally a problem that exists that he created you to solve. All of business is simply solving problems. You don't have a business unless you're solving a problem. In other words, if I sell socks and your feet are cold, you got a problem. Your feet are cold and I got socks. I got a solution for your cold feet. Here we go. Because you are here in this moment in time, there's a problem that exists in the world that you are supposed to solve. So if ever you want to be about the plan of God for your life, you ask God, what is the problem that you created me to solve? 
And it's not just you. There are others that can solve that problem as well. But there's a part that you have to play that only you can play, that nobody else can play your part. And since we're joined together, if I don't play my part, I overextend the other parts. Now they have to pick up the slack that I'm supposed to be handling. But we wrestle against our individual value and contribution because we compare ourselves by ourselves all the time. Anybody compared themselves by somebody before? You ever looked at somebody and said, man, 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 if I only, fill in the blank, if I only had, fill in the blank, if I could just get, fill in the blank, and this is looking at somebody else. Man, they look like they got it going together. If I had, if I had, Man, I would love to have, I would love to be, I would love to do comparing ourselves. And here's what happens. It's, it's unwise. Why? Because it causes us to become blind and draw back. Become blind to what? Become blind to what God wants you to do. Be blind to the dominion God has said, I want you to take. The fruitfulness that he said, I want you to be about being fruitfulness. It blinds you to it once you start comparing because you take your eyes off of what really matters because I can't live my life through somebody else. I can't wish things into my life by coveting and comparing myself to somebody else where we all have individual responsibility to take dominion in our sphere of influence. That's, that's another word for dominion is sphere or realm or territory. So when we start talking about and teaching about dominion, what you want to hear is the instruction that God has given you in the context of it. Because the best way to listen to a message is not what I'm saying word for word, because God's going to tell you to do something that I probably didn't say it at all. But, but because we have allowed the word to have free course, now God can give you an instruction and give you an action. So this is how you um, 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 are to be on the proactive when we join together, where you're sitting up, uh, 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 not uh, 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 crouch back, but you're lean forward like God. There's, there's something that you're going to drop today. Like an interaction with somebody, it's the word that's spoken, it's the worship. There's something here that, God, I'm going to get and gain that I'm going to be able to apply in the realm or area that you've called me to dominate in. Be on the proactive this morning. And some have already actually heard something or got something just in, in the time that we've been here that, that you know, uh, God brought something to your, remember, your remembrance or something that, 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 that he's, he's, he, he's nudged you to do at one point in time. And he's probably bringing that thing back around because that's what's happening or that's what's been happening this, uh, this year to me. Where he's bringing certain things back around as like an indicator like, hey, hey, I want you to plow like you're plowing, cool, but I, I need you to plow here, okay? Because work and activity alone is not enough. I'm going to say it again. Work and activity alone is not enough. Living to pay bills is not enough. Living to go on vacations and put food on the table, it's not enough. For there is a mission. There is a reason why you're here. There's a worth to your work, a worth 
to your work. Not when I get 65, I think the age of 65, I can claim retirement, get my pension or whatever. I can, you know, live on. But there is a worth to your work and your time. But, but, but uh, um, it's, it's there, but you have to place that kind of value on it to say, God, if I'm going to do something in this earth with however time I got left, whether you got 80 years left, whether you got eight years left, we don't know the time because it's, it's, it's appointed one, once um, for a man to die. Whatever time I got left, God, let me be about plowing in the area and exercising the authority that you've given me in the area that gives worth to my work. As, as, as a wise man would say, work that matters. Because something that's important to you that God has put there, it must not be pushed aside. Because there, there are people in here that, that love, that love to feed people. I mean, the uh, stomach, like, that just love to see people with full bellies and can't stand to see people hungry, can't stand to see you hungry. They just love to do that thing. And God will take that and say, there's a problem that exists, either in your community, in, in this world of hunger, that I want you to be a solution to that thing. You have a solution, and I want you to provide that solution to as many people as possible until you transition, to, until you leave. If you're boiling it down to just that, what is the problem? And if you have the solution and you know what it is, you provide it to as many people as possible. See, that's really taking dominion. But what will happen if however many people in here, let's just say there's 35, I don't know, 40 people in here or, you know, maybe 30, what will happen if everybody in here is extremely clear on the problem that they are to solve, and they are extremely clear of the solution they have to solve that problem? How strong will we be right now with this many people in here? How strong will we be right now? I say very strong. Mind you, this country wasn't founded with 10,000 people. It was a few out of less than 50 that said, we're going to have a nation that does this, 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 this. But, but it took some people that took ownership enough to exercise some level of dominion. And then when you join together, you can do even more. One can put 1,000. Two can put 10,000. Never underestimate the power and the influence of one individual who takes dominion. I like to say take charge. Take charge. But comparing ourselves causes us to, you know, become blind and we draw back. We draw back from what God intends for our life. And we, we kind of default to the world system. What's the world system? Um, go to school. Go to college. Get a job. Provide for your family. Save up for retirement. You know, uh, get a mortgage, get a house, you know, get a loan car. Like world system stuff, you know, like the regular stuff that we would call, you know, kind of the regular American dream, you know, the world system stuff. But we weren't called to function out of that world system. We, we were called to function from a greater level and measure of love that, that, that has little to do with me, myself, and mine. Has everything to do with everybody, where when we say take dominion, we're saying 
okay, now it's time to stop thinking about yourself so much and stop comparing yourself with other people so much because it, it forces you to live with a spotlight on you, revealing all of what you don't have and how long you still got to get to where you want to get to and all of that stuff, it causes you to draw back. The second thing it does, it creates division and separation between what God intends and what you won't. It, it, it creates that separation. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, we want to be comfortable. Because when you talk about taking dominion, you have to get uncomfortable. Because it's very easy to just plug into the world system and not take dominion and let somebody else provide solutions to problems and somebody else um, bear the burden of helping somebody else or bear the burden of, of going out of your way to make sure the quality of life for somebody else is improved. But what would happen if we all took on that ownership ourselves and said, if nobody else is going to care enough to do something, I'm going to care enough to do something because God cared enough to do something for me. If not for no other reason, not financial gain, not uh, the, the, the gain of influence and popularity, not people knowing your name, but if not for any other reason, but because you first loved me and you gave so much. God, what, what have you called me to take authority in? What land have you pricked upon my shoulder, my heart, to work so that somebody else can uh, um, um, uh, be refreshed? Somebody else can, uh, um, as the Word says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You are supposed to be giving trees of life to people by the solutions that you bring. By the solutions that you bring. The number one enemy of dominion, and you can write this down, the number one enemy of dominion is inadequacy. The number one enemy of dominion is inadequacy. Inadequate. Inadequacy. Well, what is dominion? Well, it's, it's the power or the right of governing something, of controlling something. And dominion is, you know, uh, a field, it's, 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 it's control, it's a realm, it's, it's territory. But the number one enemy is inadequacy. What's inadequacy? Insufficient. Because this is, this is where the enemy plays with your mind when you start to compare. Because his ultimate aim is that you not be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. The scripture said the earth. You do all of that to the earth. Oh, that's good. Side, you know, sidebar here. Um, this body is made from the earth. So when you command your body to obey you, you are applying Genesis, I think it's 128. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue it. 
Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, your flesh don't want you to be exposed for, for what you can't do, your flaws and all of that stuff. Listen, you know, anybody who, who is, is, is taking charge in a particular area of their life, they made a choice to be like, you know what, regardless of if I look bad, foolish, or whatever, I'm going to be exposed because I'm going to get better and improve in this area so that I can provide a quality solution to a problem. But the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, my flesh wants comfortability. My flesh wants what is predictable all the time. My flesh don't want what's, predictable, uh, uh, what's, what, what's unpredictable because faith is, 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 is something that thrives in the unpredictable realm. If your life is very predictable in the context of what God has um, either instructed you to do or what you feel in your heart that you need to be doing in order to uh, provide a solution to someone else, if I'm not about that, if I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm making my money for me and mine and making sure that I'm covered at home base, and there's no paradigm for anything and anyone else, then I need to change that paradigm. I need to change my thinking. I need to change my focus, even my prayers. Because when 95% of your prayers are about you and your increase, and only 5% is about someone else's increase, you have to step back and say, God, am I really taking authority over what you've given me? He said, take authority over the earth. He said, be fruitful multiply, replenish, subdue. In other words, he's saying ball out. He's saying, go get it, brother. Go get it, sister. Establish my kingdom. I like to say it like this. Take charge, leave no scraps. What did Jesus do um, when he needed to feed the the 5,000? He took charge and he left no scraps. He said, you give him something to eat. Talk to the disciples. He said, well, we ain't got nothing. I ain't got no money. I mean, this kid right here, he got some fish and some biscuits. But, you know, uh, Jesus said, give me the fish, give me the biscuits. He took charge. And then he said, pick up all the scraps. The scraps are like regrets. Leave no scraps. Work undone. That's scraps. When you take full dominion, you say, God, am I overdue on doing some things? Because your blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow. Isn't that right, Elder K. Field? His blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow. If God is leading you to do it, trust and believe he has you covered. But so much, so often, we like to catch our own selves because we don't want to be out on a limb here. But if you walk by faith and not by sight, he will not leave you. He will not let you fall. The Bible says, in all labor, there is profit. In all labor, there is profit. Well, I'm old. I'm, 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 you know, I don't have such and such. Or, you know, I missed opportunities. It doesn't, no, no. The Bible says, the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because you can, you, you can be about something that's so divine and specific and in line with what God wants you to do right now, and, and you make a, a, an immeasurable impact in the lives of others one year from now, just one year from now, because things are moving fast. Things are moving quickly. R- like, results happen fast, like, quick, like, right away. 
There was a rapper who was mad because Wendy's didn't have spicy nuggets anymore. So he posted on Twitter, Wendy's, and he, you know, kind of hashtag or, or, or um, um, cited Wendy's Twitter account, Wendy's, bring back the spicy nuggets. Now, this brother got about, I don't know, maybe 8 million followers, something like that on Twitter. So all his followers saw that. And Wendy showed up, saw it. So Wendy said, well, if you can get 2 million people to share this post, we'll bring back the spicy nuggets. The same day, it was shared more than 2 million times, and they bring it back the spicy nuggets. Now, if this was 50 years ago, you, you, you need to pick up, and, and, and pick up the phone and call about 42 different people before you get uh, uh, an audience with somebody who has some kind of authority to say, hey, we're going to bring back those nuggets. And you'd probably be at it for months and months and months. Anybody ever had to call and track something down for months to get somebody who knows what they talk about, who has the authority? Anybody ever had to do that 50 years ago? Well, well, you know, I mean, not 50, but you know. You know what I mean. <laughs> Back in the, like, you know, uh, analog days, I like to call them. <laughs> yeah. But in, in a day, changed the mind of a whole, like, like you know, their whole strategy and say, you know what, they want this, we're going to give it to them. Just because he was mad. That they didn't have spicy nuggets. Now, back when I ate those spicy nuggets, I understand what he, he was talking about. Because they were some good nuggets. I don't eat them no more, but, 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 but they were some really good nuggets. What am I saying? Inadequacy is the enemy of dominion. The first thing that Moses, this is how he responded to God. God is revealing his destiny. I mean, what this brother going go, go about to do, that's not good English, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway. What this brother going about to do, he's revealing it. And Moses had the nerve to say, I'm not, you know, I'm not an eloquent speaker. Like, what's going on? Because inadequacy is in, insufficient, not capable, not competent. I'm lacking. This is an enemy to dominion. An enemy to dominion. Anytime you entertain an inadequate thought about you, you are pushing up against the dominion God has called you to take. Because everybody started from zero. I don't care how good that pianist or celloist is. I don't care how, how much money so-and-so has. They started from zilch, just like everybody else. But I don't have, but I don't have anybody ever entertain those kind of thoughts. Well, when you heard something good about you, and you're like, really? We've done that before. Like, me? That's what Moses was like, me? I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have... Because that, that stemmed from something he saw that he compared himself to. That said, those who do great things, they have to be like this. They have to have this. But listen... God does miracles so great. Nothing is too hard for him. He specializes in taking seeds and making them forests. In other words, God is saying, look, stop paying attention to your inadequacies. See, uh, clearly, if that was the first thing, his response, clearly that was at the forefront of his thinking. Where he was living with inadequacy over him. Thinking about what he's not, what he doesn't have. 
what he doesn't know, who he isn't. God is saying, stop thinking about who you're not and start entertaining what I called you to be. If you want to know who you are in Christ, because if you don't um, ground your identity in that, um, you, you will always fall, if I can put it that way. You have to ground your identity in who God says you are. You find that out by going into the Word and, and, and peering in and looking at how much He values you, what kind of value He places on you, what He says about you. It is so critical, so critical, so critical, so critical. Why? Because man will change his or her mind about you. However man sees you now, you can say or do something, that they don't agree with, and tomorrow they're ready to cut you down, sue you, whatever. But God never changes his mind about you. Never changes his mind. Never changes his mind. Where I don't care how good I can talk you up, God's thoughts are higher than even mine's, which means you don't rest on how the good I may speak out of my, my mouth for you. Don't rest on that. Don't rest on the good a boss may, you know, sing your praises or your, um, um, your, 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 your um, a job may sing your praises and give you bonuses. You're this, you're that, you know, so on and so forth. Because the minute you stop producing, all of that done gone out the window. Let's get somebody else in here. If your customers are singing your praises, I mean, like, yo, so-and-so, they, they oh, I, I just so wonderful. Oh, my goodness. They're so great at what they do. That's cool. Receive it. But don't, don't chew on that because I chew on his word that declares who I am because I understand that a man's mind will change. And the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. Why is it a snare? to remove you from a situation where you can't exercise dominion. Because if I'm uh, 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 concerned about what you think, I'm now comparing myself, and now I'm drawing back, and now I'm becoming regular, as we would say it. I'm becoming like everyone else. Because if it was easy, then everybody would know exactly why they, they're here exactly uh, um, uh, the, the, the problem they are to solve, and they will know exactly what the answer is. They will know it right now if it was easy. Why is it a challenge? Because we have an adversary. We have an enemy that does not want you to lock into the dominion that God calls you to take. Because most people um, um, uh, push off certain things because they're unwilling to take dominion. Prime, prime example uh, um, now, there are a lot of different situations uh, for this, but there are situations where you just don't want to be on your own. Right now, there's 14 million men who are living at home with their parents. Read an article, I think it was yesterday. 14 million men. There's about 18 million five-year-olds living at home with their parents. 14 million men. Now, there are different situations and reasons for that. There can be, you, you got a big student loan bill, so you, you, you probably not 
making enough to pay that and live on your own and other kind of situations uh, for that. Or you want to uh, stay home and take care of, um, you know, your mother uh, or what have you. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about the situations where you just don't want to be out on your own and buy your own toilet paper. Because there's a lot of situations like that. Because a wise man once said, once you start buying your own toilet paper, now you on your own. Now you on your own. But there's just, uh, there's an, an inadequacy that says, I'm unable to fly by myself. Whether you say it or you don't say it. Every time we drop back and we don't step out into a next phase that we know we're supposed to, you know you're supposed to be flying and flying the coop, so to speak. You, you, you know you're supposed to be building your life now. Because years ago, when you hit 18, that was the cue culturally that, all right, you need to be about building your life. Don't come back here. You need to be about building your own life. But it, you know, shifted for a lot of different reasons. So now it's like, you're not ready yet, so come on back. But listen, when you're taking dominion, it is never comfortable. It forces you to operate in a realm of faith and uncertainty. Forces you to do that. God is saying, take comfort. Because I already laid your path out, and that path is prosperous. I just want you to get on it. That land is prosperous. I just want you to work it. I can't get mad at somebody. Say, if you, if, if you, if you give me some seeds, we'll go back to the tomato and the uh, oranges. So-and-so got oranges. I got tomatoes. And I plant them, you know, and I kind of just, then I go and wait for them to grow. You know, I, I may come out every now and then to kind of check on them a little bit. Then the orange person, they plant them orange seeds, and they pruning that thing, boy, and they watering that thing, and they got all kind of stuff to get the critters away and the weeds and all that kind of stuff, and they, they working that thing, and they out there every single day, and they just making sure them oranges is good. Come harvest time, the one with the tomatoes going to be like, come on, y'all. What's up? I planted. What's going on? And then they're going to look over at the orange field and say, well, man, well, God, what's up with that oranges? I mean, I did the, you know, I did the same thing. Let's not be foolish. He said, God, God opened my eyes. God revealed to me where I'm really taking authority, where I'm really exercising dominion, where I'm really in, in embracing what you called me to do and to walk in, where this individual was on it all the time, simply working their ground, working their land, working their land. Anybody who's gardening, knows that if you don't work that land, you will not have any crops. Nothing will grow. God does not bless on merit. Companies do that. You bet your goals for the year, we're going to give you a 2% increase. That's if you, like, went above and beyond, but it's actually 1.75. But God blesses based on his purposes and his will. I can't be over in another field and say, God, come on, bless it. But he's so gracious and merciful. He'll bless enough to remind me that I'm God and to turn my head to what he really originally intended. Because when I'm not on a path that he intended, I'm on my own. But he won't leave me. He won't leave me. He'll still provide in the wilderness. He'll still be there. But he says, I got so much better over here if you would work this land. If you would take the authority if you would exercise dominion, there's so much 
over here. Why? Because lives are at stake. Because God wants us to put on this paradigm of lives are at stake. That there are people that are dependent upon me. That if I call out sick with my destiny, who's suffering because I chose to not function that day, year, decade? Who's, who's, who's at risk because I failed to take charge? Whose problem still remains because I have the solution that I've simply believed the inadequacy of my own thinking and decided not to provide a solution for that? Because if we now start thinking in the context of souls and lives, as opposed to what we don't have and, and, and you know, kind of what, what, how hard it is and all of that. Because my Bible says in all labor there is profit, which means if you take a swing and you even strike, you don't connect the ball. If you take a swing, you have gained. You have gained if you took a swing, which means you gained some wisdom that you didn't have before you swung. But I didn't connect it. It doesn't matter. In all labor, there is profit. Your prayer is, God, cause me to recognize the profit. Because what can happen is you say, God, I did this, I did this, I did that, and it was not fruitful. He said, okay. As Pastor Walt said some years ago, keep swinging. Because I didn't tell you that it's going to be easy. I simply, the Scripture said, Genesis one twenty eight. he blessed them. So I gave you the power to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, and subdue it. Subdue it means dominate. It means take dominion, the earth. But the first thing I got to subdue is myself. Because my Bible says, he who, uh, I think one translation says, he who masters his spirit is mightier than he who takes a city. Another translation says, he who exercises self-control is mightier than he who takes a city. Self-control unto what? The very thing that the enemy wants to distract us from. Which is why we always say, um, coming to church, is, it's good, it's wonderful. But what's taking place after we leave, after we disperse? Because God's not handing out bonuses for perfect attendance. He's not handing out bonuses for the length of time that you prayed or how much word you prayed. Because my Bible says it's the doer of the word that is blessed. It is what you are doing with what God is impressing upon your heart, what he's wanting your work to be, not your job, because we all have a work, but we're looking for a job. What's your work? A job can help take care of things while you're doing your work. That's in the realm of your dominance. Here's a very um, um, uh, a good, good picture of uh, the power of togetherness. Because what I want you to do is get a strong understanding of, you know what, I have to be about um, making sure that what God wants me to do doesn't fall. Everybody has their own lot. But you say, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for what God wants me to do, whether it's big or it's small. Because at the end of the day, if one soul is impacted, it's worth it. If one life is changed, it's worth it. If one is, 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 is transformed, it's worth it. Let alone two or four 
or eight or, you know, on and on and on and on. There was a, an event that took place uh, in 2009. January 15, 2009. They dubbed this the miracle on the Hudson. January 15, uh, 2009, and there was recently a film in regards to that whole experience. What happened was they took off from the runway, and uh, not long after taking off, this is from, I believe, LaGuardia Airport, um, birds flew into the engines, both engines, and bam, they went out. And the, the um, um, uh, yeah, so I think the, at, well, at that point, the, the plane is just dead in the water. You know, it's just gliding and floating there. So you, so the 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 um, uh, uh, the pilot, his name is Sully, Sully Sullenberger. So he was flying the plane, and um, just by him having forty years of experience flying, he knew, okay, I need to take over and fly this thing manually. So he's talking to air traffic control, and you know. The uh, aviators, they're always like calm with they, you know, when they say certain things that you know, we lost two engines as opposed to, we lost two engines, we about to go, you know, so, but they're just talking and having this, you know, conversation with air traffic control and they're giving him options. You could go to this airport over here or you could turn a around and touch down where you are and in a matter of, you know, because you're talking seconds, okay, this whole deal was a total of 208 seconds. Um, so you don't have a long time to make a decision here. So he makes a decision based on just 40 years of experience. He said, we're not going to make it to this airport, and we're not going to make it to that airport. And he's trying to determine what's the best route here because it's either crash into a, a city block with this plane or make a different decision. And they happen to be flying over the Hudson. So he said, you know what, I'm going to land this plane in the river. 155 passengers on board. And one passenger being an infant, I think nine months old. So he makes a decision and says, I'm going to go into the Hudson. And everybody knows that at the speeds that they were going, I don't know, 300 plus miles an hour, that water is like pavement. So if you hit it, it's going to destroy the plane, utterly destroy the plane. So he says, you know, we're going to do it anyway. It's either 155 passengers and a whole bunch of other people or us, and I'm not going to uh, uh, take down buildings and cause all kind of wreckage. So he brings that thing on the Hudson, and it lands it in such a way that it does not destroy the plane. Now, this is a gentleman who's nearing retirement, so he's not in his 30s, okay? But he took upon himself, he took a level of ownership, I like to call it a level of dominion, that would not accept death. This is a life or death situation. He said it would not accept death from one passenger. So he said, whatever I got to do to the final thought 
to the final word, whatever I got to do, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to take dominion. Because this gives, you know, uh, like a clear picture as to the, the, the worth of one's life that they lived. The things that you've gone through. Like God uses everything. He uses everything. So he went back in his old flying days as a teenager, flying days in the military, flying days, commercial flights. And he said, we're going to bring this thing in at a certain way so that I don't cause damage to this plane and lose lives. Came in. Bam. And he wasn't the first off the plane. Of course not. Because he's taking charge. He made sure every single passenger got off that plane. And he made sure he was the last one on the plane. Water coming into the plane. He's still going back and making sure that there was nobody else on the plane. I mean, thank God that we didn't explode when we hit the ground, but it's not over yet. He still maintained a level of ownership, a level of dominance in this situation, because he recognized that ultimately he was responsible. That regardless of what happened, you can't blame, blame the birds, you can't blame chance and all that kind of thing. Because um, 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 in, in the film, the actor said, um, uh, what occurred, you cannot simulate. You cannot plan for it. You cannot prepare for it. So what do you do when you can't uh, uh, plan for something unexpected? When you can't prepare for something that is so unexpected? Well, from the Word of God standpoint, that's where faith comes into play. Faith excels in the unexpected so there was something in him that said, you know what? The math is not working. The instruments aren't working. The technology ain't working. Because, like, something may go happen. Because what, because what happened was they found out later on that the math, because they simulated the, the uh, occurrence, to say, you know what? You could have made it to this airport. You could have made it to the other airport. He said, nah. Nah, 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 nah. He said, I know. I was there. I felt it. We were not going to make it. And what they were doing was they were accounting for a preparedness. Where they, when they simulated with other pilots, they knew this was going to happen. So they're watching this simulation, and he's like, hold on, hold on. You're forgetting the human factor here. He said, nobody can prepare for that. He said, I needed time to figure out what was going on, to make decisions. He said, there's a human factor. So they made the adjustment, and they added more seconds to the simulation. And it failed every time. So it, 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 it succeeded when you knew what was going to happen. So we can, you know, get to our destination. But it failed in a situation where you, you didn't know it was going to happen. Because that happens to us. Where you're confident, like you're... Balling out, I mean, 40 years, he's a respected aviator, about to retire, doing his thing in his realm, in, in his sphere, in his bent, but bam, curveball hits. What do you do? Throw your hands up and say, well, at some point in his life, he said, I'm taking full ownership of the lives that I have been entrusted into my care. Taking full ownership where I'm not just collecting a paycheck. I'm not flying you to your destination so I can collect a paycheck. But my number one priority 
is your safety. My number one priority is your salvation, not my job. Because when you're in the air, everything else has to be pushed aside. And that's what it's like when God taps you on the shoulder and say, I want you to start doing this for so-and-so. But God, I have, I have, I have, I don't have, I, he said, I want you to start doing it. He said, I got you. He said, I, I, I have you. But there are lives at stake here. So at some point throughout his career, he took a level of dominance with his job and his role that prepared him for a moment that you can't prepare for. Isn't that crazy? And uh, the, 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 um, uh, uh, the powerful thing about this was everybody was singing his praises. You're a hero. You're this. You're that. And he humbly said, no, because they were like, you were the X factor. He said, no. He said, it was my co-pilot. It was the flight attendants. It was the air traffic controllers. It was the seamen in, in the water that saw us and turned their boats around. It was the first responders. He said, it wasn't me. He said it was everybody working together. What would have happened that day if somebody would have called out and said, I don't want to come. I'm good. Somebody in the air traffic controller squad or the first responder squad said, you know what? We out of gas today, so, you know, we're not going to be doing our thing or whatever, for whatever reason. Or somebody chose to, to, to uh, uh, um, not... Um, uh, uh, become a, um, a, m m a marine or seaman or, you know, that kind of thing. They chose to not be in that place, the place that they were at that time. Because now at this point, you're thanking God for first responders. You're thanking God for air traffic controllers. You're thanking God for those who designed the plane to float if it ever landed on water. See the power working together? Somebody designed that plane in such a way that if the occurrence happens that you have to land in an emergency and you hit water, that the plane will maintain its float, its buoyancy. It's working together, working together. But if somebody said, you know what, I don't really want to do that plane designing thing because that's hard and that's difficult, how many lives will be at stake or how many lives will be lost? of planes that hit the water. When it was a solution that an individual had, like, I know how to make this thing float if it hit the water. Years and years and years of aviation um, um, uh, innovation. You can go on and on and on and on and on. What's the point? The, 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 the area that God wants you in is not only about you. It is about the other's lives at stake. So that when the storms of life hit, the unpredictableness of life hits, that you are in a place to provide a solution to a problem. Where you have, because you chose to work your land, because the scripture says, he who works his land will have plenty of food. Which means, not just enough for me but more than enough for somebody else so that when a call for help comes, I can go see about it. Why? Because I have what they need. 
because they needed a boat. Why? Because they only had maybe minutes. The water was about 36 degrees with a minus five windshield. So everything had to be in place. People had to be on post for something that they didn't even, even know they needed to be on post for. But they simply needed to answer a call at some point in their life to say, I'm going to do this. So that when this occurrence happened, that you will be at the right place at the right time to see the right thing happening. Because I believe if God puts it in your peripheral, we're obligated to respond. Not turn ahead. And every one of us has a different response. But if we see it, we have to respond. Thank God for those who saw the wreckage, who had a boat, and they responded. Why? Because they only had minutes before the plane sunk or they died of hypothermia. But thank God that everybody was on post, was on board, was ready, attentive, recognizing, knowing that they have a solution to a problem. And they are willing, ready, and able to deny the regular agenda, to deny the expected, because everybody had to stop what they were doing and respond. Everybody had to say, hold on. The, um, the food in the oven can, you know, uh, burn <laughs> or whatever it is. Let it go to voicemail, because we got to go over here right now. And he was putting that as the reason why every life was not lost, not one person lost their life. Not one person lost their life. Where the math shows and the experience shows that in, a, in an occurrence like that, that is not supposed to happen. That's why they call it the miracle on the Hudson. So I charge you this morning first I say you have value. Because if you did not have value, then God would not see to it that you be here. You have significance. You have value. And, and as far as God is concerned, his mind is made up. You are necessary. But we got to choose to believe that. We got to choose to say, God, you've given me something. You've put me here to solve a problem for somebody else. God, work in me the will to do of your good pleasure. Because you see the unexpected. You know what's ahead. God, help me to be in, in position to provide aid that when the phone rings, that I can do that. See, I, I got a call this past week for some aid in an area that I've plowed in the past. But God don't throw nothing out. And like I said, I'm being reminded of the field that I need to keep plowing in because it's not about me making a lot of money. It's not about any of that. It's about I put you here for a solution to somebody's problem. And a solution that you provided years ago caused somebody to remember that your so-and-so was able to provide a solution to the problem that we have. It's called so-and-so. And I literally took it as a cue. Another cue that God has given me to say, hey, keep working your land. Because there's something that I put in you that's necessary, regardless of what everyone else has, because I got into my inadequacy bag. 
regardless of the, 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 the money, the whatever, how long, um, competence, whatever it is. It was God saying, I still have need of you, whether you believe it or not. He's so gracious. He's so, he's so patient. Now he's so patient. Thank God that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Well, that simply encouraged me. You know, I told my wife, I said, man, I'm, I'm stirring. I'm encouraged. I said, you know what? Let me get out my bag. Let, let me work this thing so that when the call comes, that when there's a need, that I have it to give because I've been working that land. God says, take dominion. Take authority. Exercise authority. He says, I bless them. He's already equipped you to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue. He's already hooked you up to be prosperous in that area. You simply have to make a decision to say, God, I'm going to walk the road that other people aren't willing to walk because they're looking for comfortability. I'm going to walk that road. Why? Because in that labor, there will be a profit and a net return that somebody is going to need. That they're going to ask, who has such and such? And I'll be confident to raise my hand because I've been plowing in that field. It's the worst feeling to have a heart to give and you don't have it to give. And you know why you don't have it to give. God is so gracious. God is so kind. He says, I don't want that to define you. The fact that you don't have, I don't want that to define you. He said, I want you to look at what you do have. Whether it's tangible or intangible, look at what you do have because there's a soul at stake. And I made a comment this morning, because me and my wife were, you know, talking and rapping. Um, you know, apostles going to, um, uh, like I said before, apostle and prophet are praying with a young lady who, uh, a young lady who has cancer. And, you know, I've been around, you know, Apostle for a long time. And at some point, he made a decision to say, I'm going to make myself available, and I'm going to work this field of healing. And all of a sudden, he, he, he started getting the kind of calls for like, and he would say it like, it's not headaches. This is like really serious stuff. Calls to go pray. Because he made a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to take authority over this. I'm not going to walk away and draw back. He said, you called me to lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. He said, I'm going to take my cuts and I'm going to take my swings. He said, because I'm not the healer you are. If I'm to plant, cool. If I'm to water, cool. But God, you bring the increase. And if you bring the increase through my hands, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you bring the increase through somebody's hands, blessed be the name of the Lord, because it wasn't them. It was those who are watering and sowing seeds. And then God, there was an appointed time. And God says, rise up and walk or be healed. You take that level of ownership. And you say, you know what? It's not even about doing it big. It's about, it's about doing it. It's not about doing it big. Because God brings increase. You, you go ahead and make yourself big. See what happens. Reference the Tower of Babel. They said, let us make a monument for ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. And God said, hold on, hold on. 
Because the, the number one issue here was pride. So he said, you got too big-headed. God says, I am bigness. You trying to exalt yourself above me? He said, let me show you what real power is. Scatter. Confuse the language. Because they were doing what he commissioned them to do. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue. But they got over in that pride bag. And he said, hold on. My way is the only way. He said, I am the only Lord, not you. Thank you, Father, this morning for who you are. God, we thank you for your, your kindness. We thank you for your patience. That you're not restless with us. You're not impatient with us. But God, your original intent is still at the forefront of your mind, of our lives. That God, there are the unexpectedness. There is the unexpectedness of life. That things happen that you can't plan for. But just because the unexpected happened or happens does not cancel out God's original plan, His destiny. He does not remove your purpose because things that you didn't plan for happened. Because decisions that you didn't plan for, the results of those decisions that you may have made, you reap those. He says, it doesn't matter. He said, I make all things new. I wash clean. I give you a fresh start. He said, yes, I want you to work your land, but I'm always working my land for your benefit. God says, I'm always working. Jesus said, my father is always at work. It has been at work up until this very day because I have need of you. Because I put something in you that is a solution to a problem. You have such value, such value, such value. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. And when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me. You follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you were there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I can ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day Pray that you hear the Lord speaking to your heart and you simply respond. You respond with a nevertheless. That God, if this happens, if this uh, takes place, if this occurs, that God, you already got me. And you make a decision to be in position. You make a decision to be found working your land by faith. Jesus comes back. Will he find faith? With every stroke, with every dig of the shovel of believing God. That the labor that I'm doing today, the answer that I'm plowing out today is for someone's solution tomorrow. It's for someone's problem tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow may bring, but I do know that God created me for a purpose and a reason. Because every joint supplies, and I will not be out of joint. Thank you, Father, for your divine presence, your grace, your favor that enables me to be about your your calling for my life. For your word says, make your calling and election sure. It's necessary. May we no longer live by default. We'll be regular. But be more than a conqueror. Be victorious. Be joyful. He's made you glad. Be joyful, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And he says, trust in me with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge me and I will direct your path. For his outcome is always good. God never has a sad ending. It's always a joyous, happy ending. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody thank the Lord. Come on, somebody thank the Lord. Come on, somebody bless the Lord. Bless the Lord for his purpose. Thank God for his purpose. for his purpose his purposes we thank you for your purposes because that's the only reason why we're here today it's because of the purposes of the Lord thank you Father